this is Rebecca, and you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. Ooh. <laughs> hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things, and we're your bootyful hosts, Rebecca and Vicky. Hello. <laughs> I just I just love how every time before we start, it's always a production. It's whether it's always it's you telling me, can you just say two words before I start? Loki trying to fight boots, Loki needing attention. It just never ends. Oh Jesus Christ. I'm playing tug with Loki as we're recording this, so don't mind me. Um, okay. So for this week, well, let's just get right into the topic because I have a lot to talk about on this subject, which is haunted libraries. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but all of mine take place in the United States. What about yours? Um, mine's actually one's in New Jersey. Oh, fun, fun, yes. fun. Yes, and then one's in Indiana. Okay, awesome. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Yeah, I think you can kick it off. All right, cool. So my first one is the Deep River Public Library located in Deep River, Connecticut. So the Deep River Library, it's your typical small town New England public library housed in a charming older building and home to books, research materials, and otherworldly spirits, perhaps? The building that has housed the library since it was opened on May 10th, 1933, was originally built as a family home in 1881 by Richard Pratt Spencer, who was a prominent banker and citizen of the town. Located in the heart of the town on the corner of Main and Village Streets, Spencer lived there with his family until his death in 1910. In 1932, the house was obtained by the town's library association, which has been quartered in the town hall for decades, and then was officially opened on May 10, 1933, as the Deep River Public Library. It has been serving the citizens of Deep River as a center for reading, research, and public events ever since. Unlike many other allegedly haunted edifices around the state, there doesn't seem to be a specific story or legend associated with the house that would explain why it might be a haunted locale. Additions, um, additions have been made over the years, although witnesses generally claim paranormal events only occur in the sections that were part of the original Pratt house. So a lot of times, I don't know if you know this, but people think that once you construct on an old property, it may bring up some spirits because they don't like the change oh, okay. in the property. So that may be something that has frustrated the spirits at the Pratt House. Um, the otherworldly activity at the library has varied over the years, and some people have reported hearing voices and sounds when no one else was around. Those who claim to be physically sensitive have said they have experienced ghostly entities in the building. And as a matter of fact, famed ghost hunter John Zappis says that during the investigation he held, he felt the spirit presence of two women in the reference area. Other groups have claimed to have taken photographs reputedly showing a ghost. As you might expect, the library has been investigated by multiple paranormal research groups, including very recently by Full Spectrum Ghost Hunters and the Connecticut Ghost Seekers, both of whom claim to have recorded orbs, EVPs, and other mysterious phenomena. Um, and then there was another account by employee Pam Zyabron, who told the newspaper that she had had a few encounters with these spirits. While closing up, she had turned off all the lights, but quickly felt that she wasn't the only one in the room. Quote, it was just a feeling, dot, dot, dot. It was just so light and airy, like a female coming down the stairs. It was very, very real, end quote. Another employee heard the distinct sound of a female clearing her throat in the room next to where she was. Upon inspection, no one could be found in that room. 
doesn't seem too, like, yeah. terrible. No, like, it doesn't seem like there's anybody there that wants to hurt them. I just think that they want to make their presence known. And I yeah. think it's a part of the Spencer, the, the Richard Pratt Spencer family um, that's there just saying, this is still, I'm still here. Yeah. Like, you know, I won't. I won't bother you. Just don't mess up anything. Don't be disrespectful. And we'll just, like, reside comfortably. So yeah. Do you hear Loki howling? He's like, oh, it's probably up there. He's like, but you know what? That's what happens when you want to fight your yeah. cat sister. Yeah. A legit cat fight. Literally. <laughs> All right. So what is your next story? So my next story is about Phyllis Parker, a female ghost, at the Bernardsville, um, New Jersey Public Library. Ooh, okay. So... Um, it was so active, they said, that the staff issued it a library card. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Well, the ghost had amazing. a library card. So, Jean Hill, local history, um, history room volunteer, remarked that she was not put on our computer with the rest of us mortals, but her card is always available should she choose to use it. So, beginning of 1974, employees started seeing a ghost moving through the front rooms of the library building, which was a tavern during the Revolutionary War. The ghost is said to be that Phyllis Parker, the innkeeper's daughter, who suffered a nervous breakdown when her British spy boyfriend was executed. And then there's like a whole book actually about it. It's called Phyllis, the Library Ghost? Question mark. And this was um, published by a library um, and written by a local history room volunteer, um, Johnston. And then um, they said the last known Phyllis sighting took place on November 1989, when a three-year-old boy saw a lady in a long white dress in the reading room and said hello to her. So, <laughs> hmm. so that was a glass recorded experience yeah. there. Interesting. That I was wonder, like found, but I wonder why there's been something like going on. Yeah, and also, I mean, since 1989, which is crazy to think that was like 31 years ago. Yeah, I wonder that why. Was good mental math. I honestly, that was just that was luck. Good. I could have <laughs> been completely good. wrong. But I don't... It's weird, because I think of 1989, I still think of it as, like, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, and it's just not... I think, like, 2010's, like... Five years ago. Yeah, I'm like, oh, like, remember when, like, Black Eyed Peas <laughs> were, like... like <laughs> I'm like, that's so old. Like, these kids don't know that now. Like, early 2000s was 20 years ago. That's crazy. Like, now I'm saying stuff, and it makes me feel old. Like, yeah. now I feel bad for my parents. I'm like, all right, now I know, now like, I know when you say... Now I know say this. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that was your information on the... Bernardsville. Huh. You know what? That's like a really rich town, right, in New Jersey? Is it? I think so. I don't even know where that is. But I think it's like... I don't know if it's south or central. Well, while you're Googling that, um, I'm going to tell you guys about the Houston Public Library in Houston, Texas. So this is called uh, specifically the Julia Idison Building of the Houston Public Library. Um, it's said to be haunted by the ghost of Julius Frank Kramer, who, uh, which is the library's security guard, gardener, janitor. Julius lived in a basement apartment in the library building and would practice his violin in the library after hours until he died in 1936. Now, Julius makes his appearance, known by scattering sheet music around the library floor, and people can sometimes hear him playing his violin or his dog's nails clicking on the library's marble floors when they visit the library. I see, like, that's creepy. Yeah. Like, that's just creepy. But there's a, there's a ghost doggo there, which I wouldn't mind so much. A ghost dog? A ghost doggo, yeah. His, <laughs> it says his nails click on the library's marble floors. So, um... 
I actually have found an article to um, an experience that someone who interned at the Houston Public Library posted. So I'm going to pull up the link real quick. Did you look up Bernardsville? Yeah, so it's in Somerset County. And then the first like Google search is, is Barnard's, New Jersey, a rich town? <laughs> And the someone says, okay, first thing first, yes. <laughs> like, just so right away. That's, it. I, that's what I thought. I was pretty sure. And first of all, it just sounds like a rich name. It does. Bernard's it sounds like film. rich, like, old people. Old money, yeah. So this is labeled The Haunting of the Julia Edison Building. So the article starts. This was also posted on Halloween of 2014. On first glance, you probably wouldn't think that the Julia Ideson building is haunted. After all, the Spanish Renaissance-style architecture and beautiful surrounding courtyards are anything but spooky on the surface. Yet, lurking inside is the spirit of a former staff member from building's earlier days. And that's when they continue to talk about Jacob Kramer um, and how he passed away. So, then this continues, I would even heard him myself. It was a dark, stormy night, dot, dot, dot. No, not really. <laughs> Actually, I was just working on the third floor one afternoon for my library school internship, but it just so happened that I was all alone in the building. The only other person in the entire building at the time was the security guard downstairs. The Edison building is closed on Fridays, and the rest of the staff was either off for the day or out at a, co- at a conference. So at around 4 p.m. that day, I began to pack up the archival material I was working with when I heard the faint sounds of a violin playing a slow and slightly plaintive song. That's really weird, I thought to myself. The stone walls of the Edison buildings are fairly thick, and there certainly wasn't anyone else in the building who would be playing music. Needless to say, it was spooky enough that I packed up my stuff and went on my way. It wasn't until later that year at a staff and volunteer Christmas party that I learned about Jacob Kramer from an archivist. The only reason I could think of for Kramer paying me a visit is because I used to play the violin in school. Perhaps he thought I would appreciate his music. And then he continues, like, how about you? Have you ever seen or heard a ghost? Share your spooky stories in the comments. Um... But yeah, so I just thought that was a pretty interesting story um, of this intern's experience there and how there was the connection that they both played violin. Yeah, even though music is creepy. Like, it, I think of, like, the, like, the haunted, like, not even, like, haunted, like, the scary movies that it's, like, like, the song is, like, tiptoe. Oh, my um, God, that was Insidious, I think? Yeah, yes. I don't know, like, that, that music stuff, like, creeps me yes. out. Yes, or, like, the piano where you just hear, like, one little key. One key, like, just, like, go off. Nope. Like, I don't like that. No. But it doesn't seem... Like, it seems like this guy, Jacob Kramer, really loves his job if he is still there in the afterlife. True. Playing his violin with his dog, walking yeah. around. So it seems like he's pretty happy, and it seems like he was just saying, hey, I'm here. And that also proves, too, that whoever experienced this noise, um, like the faint sounds of a violin playing... He wasn't just thinking that in his head subconsciously because he knew of the experience. He found mm-hmm. out about he found out about Jacob Kramer after the fact after at a Christmas that. party. So it kind of verifies what his experience was. That's true. That's one hell of an internship. Yeah, <laughs> right. So uh, that is my information on the Houston Public Library, more specifically the Julia Edison Building. Cool. Okay, so I have Gray Lady at Large. So. All right. The Willard Library staff in Evansville, Indiana, likes 
again, they like this resident, <laughs> likes their resident ghost so much that they feature her on the library webs page. They also have free annual Grey Lady Ghost Tours beginning in mid-October, as well as options for residents to go to self-guided tours, and they will provide packets for them to walk around with. So they're they're really capitalizing they're on really, the great lady. They're like, yep, it's haunted, and you guys can all see. <laughs> so their lady in gray has been seen in this 130 year old Victorian Gothic building since 1937. The specter sports a scent of perfume that is often sensed near the elevators, near the restrooms, or in the children's room. Occasionally, staff will walk into cold spots in the library, which are also indicative of its presence. Library director Greg Hager said there has been reports on the second floor in the, I don't even know, genealogy? Genealogy, what yeah. That That's like um, like genetics, like like when people do the family trees and stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. Departments of chairs being pulled away from the tables after being meticulously pushed in. File boxes jumping three feet or more from the shelf as it's pushed or thrown off. A former custodian also once heard tapping coming from a corner of the second floor, but the library was closed. No one's, no one was in the corner, and there was no one to be tapping. Hager said that there have also been many reports of electronic and electrical equipment being disturbed, such as fresh batteries being destroyed or staff members hearing the library's elevator moving between floors when no one is in it, near it, or even on the elevators. Interesting. So that one's a little creepy. You picked out, so it's actually perfect timing that you did that one because I also did some information uh, research on Willard Library, and that's what I was going to do next. What? Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had the information of, um, I didn't realize this, but there's hundreds of people that look for the Grey Lady every October because of those ghost tours. Oh, that's crazy. So support your local libraries. They're broke. Um, and so more information on the Willow Library Um, like you've said it's over 110 years old and it's the oldest public library built in Indiana Um, and uh, let's see the Grey Lady has been cited by librarians patrons, police officers Um, many believe that the Grey Lady is the ghost of Louise Carpenter who's the daughter of Willard Carpenter whose fortune was used to build the Willard Library in 1885 so, what has happened, more specifically, um, the Grey Lady was last reportedly sighted on August 10, 2010, in the basement hallway by the assistant children's librarian. Psychics visiting the library in 2007 say that they were able to verify that a ghost has been there, and paranormal investigative groups have brought in equipment designed to locate it. Several library employees have reported seeing the ghost, including Margaret Mayer, children's librarian, and Helen Kame, which is the library assistant. And during a visit to the library, lecturers from the University of Southern Indiana say they saw the ghost peering into water. I guess like there's there must be some sort of body of water in there because it's peering into it. Weird. Uh, <laughs> body of water. Just, just looking into in a body the, of water. In the library. Yes, yeah, whatever. Okay, maybe they're not as broke as we thought because they have bodies of water in their <laughs> library. Um, policemen responding to a security alarm at the library spotted two ghosts in an upstairs window of the library. And a library patron reported an encounter with the gray lady in the library elevator. And a local weathercaster also reported an encounter with the spirit. So clearly there's more than one account of this lady here. Um, Could it be that 
people are looking for an experience, so you know they kind of concoct these things in their mind, maybe. But I just feel like there are one too many experiences. You have psychics that have come in um, that have verified that a ghost is there. They've had paranormal teams come in that have um, brought in special equipment to locate it and have caught evidence of it. So um, I wouldn't completely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely say that. Yeah. There's no shot of it being haunted. I think there's a high likelihood that it is haunted, but we do have to take into account, too, that it is pretty popular. True. Um, but also, the, like, the electrical equipment, that's a little, like, weird. Yeah, because usually, like, spirits take energies. energy from that stuff, so it makes sense, like, yeah. especially if it was fully charged, and, like, how else would that happen? So, you said um, some unexplained occurrences include, like, the smell of perfume, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's also um, occurrences of water being turned on and off, the feeling of cold, noises, books and furniture found moved, the feeling of touch on hair and earrings, and odd items found in the library. Now, odd items, I'm not sure what specifically that is, but um, clearly there's a bunch of different accounts. Um, and I don't know if you saw on the website that they have for the gray lady mm -hmm. which you can go to willardghost.com they even have a ghost cam <laughs> so yeah and um they're really on top of this yeah and so <laughs> if you go to this website which i'm going to pull up real quick and i'll post some of the pictures oh too. i see actually it says like we set up the webcam on the second floor of the library about two weeks before halloween yes so, here are, like, a couple of images and stuff that they've captured. Oh, that's crazy. Of this supposed gray lady. And, like I said, I'll post this for you guys on Instagram, at Just Ghoulies Podcast. That looks Podcast. very real. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, they're in all different parts of the library, too. Which is that interesting. That staircase is creepy on its own. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird like. staircase. But yeah, so you can go on to willardgoes.com too and see these pictures as well for yourself. Um, and yeah, like you said too, they have the webcam. So uh, live footage, you can see it then and there. And maybe you guys can catch something that they didn't see. Um, and some of the paranormal investigation teams I forgot to add include TAPS from Ghost Hunters. So oh. I thought that was pretty cool. TAPS is one of the ghost investigation teams that got me into the paranormal in the first place so i thought that was interesting that's awesome do you have any other stories i do not all right so then i'm gonna end with the peoria uh the peoria public library so the peoria public library's fate was doomed from the start and the land on which the library is built was cursed by a previous tenant right there sets the mood yeah so <laughs> this is this takes a completely different turn than what we've seen with the other research that we've done where they say oh you know it just used to be an old house and, yeah or you know an old employee died there whatever this is supposedly cursed so this is a negative entity so it all started in 1830 with Mrs. Andrew Gray and the death of her brother, after which she gained custody of her nephew. The nephew refused to get a job and generally trod on the wrong side of the law too often, and Mrs. Gray was forced to hire a lawyer to smooth things over. David Davis was a newly made lawyer come to town and was hired by the Grays. He deftly got Mrs. Gray's nephew out of any jam, but an increasing debt to the Grays. Concerned over payment, Davis forced the Grays to use their home as collateral for his services, and when the bill came due, Davis sued to collect the mortgage as his fees, and the nephew was given the boot. Soon after, the nephew's lifeless body was discovered floating in the Illinois River. That's creepy. That's suspect right there. <laughs> That's suspect. That's sus. 
So Mrs. Gray then cursed the property and all future occupants. The curse seemed to work, for after Davis assumed the property, nothing would grow on the very land where Mrs. Gray had cultivated beautiful gardens. It was then that the first ghostly appearance were reported, that of Mrs. Gray's nephew banging on the door, oh. begging to be let in. <gasps> and he was like a Chill. bad child too, so like I feel like he's like ready to fuck shit oh, up. Oh yeah, he's like, like, like he's not I have nothing games. to lose now, yeah. I'm already dead, like <laughs> bring it on. He's ready to come at everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, in 1894, the city of Peoria purchased the property on Monroe Street where Mrs. Andrew Gray once lived. A library was built on the property, though there is some debate over whether it was built exactly where Mrs. Gray's house once stood or in another part of the property. So, I'm assuming this is pretty big property, the way they're talking. Um, And considering that at the time the land purchased, there were three different lots which made up the purchase, it's entirely feasible to believe the library is not built directly on the same footprint as the house. At any rate, the first three directors of the new library died under unusual circumstances, a sure sign that the curses were working even beyond the existence of the house. That's crazy. Yeah. So, to go into it more, the first director, E.S. Wilcox, was killed in a streetcar accident in 1915. The second, Samuel Patterson Prowse, died from a heart attack, suffered at a library board meeting in 1921. And the third, Dr. Edwin Wiley, committed suicide by swallowing arsenic in 1924. One might surely think that these were all coincidences and that Dr. Wiley had previously established depressive episodes, but at the same time but at the time of the events, Mrs. Gray's curse was foremost in everyone's minds. By the way, did that like kid scare you? That, okay, yeah. no, I saw I heard you go like <laughs> that was no, it was funny because I just turned and it's like a little girl driving in a little cart in the backyard. In the backyard on grass. I was like, wait, what? I saw it at the corner of my eye too and I had a look and then I saw I heard you at the same damn time go like <gasps> and I was like, alright, yeah, she definitely saw that too. Okay. It was so funny one episode, I think we kept it in. There was one point where Lily and I were recording and there's a black dog named Callie that lives across and so they sometimes come in the backyard and they like run back and forth and I didn't see the owner and all I kept seeing was this black thing just darting across the backyard and Lily didn't want to say anything because I think I was talking and she didn't want to interrupt me but we're both kind of like looking and not really focused because we're just so freaked out because we're seeing this black thing and but we're not directly looking at it we're seeing it from like our side corner So then I finally turn around, like, I'm sorry, we have to, like, what is going on? And I realize it's the dog just going dog just running. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. So, though the directors are long gone, Mr. Wilcox seems to have a fondness for the library, even after this. (laughs) I don't know where. She just came out of nowhere on the grass. There's a whole. Okay. So, this woman is driving this baby car on the grass when there's concrete literally two feet away. A huge, huge parking lot. Uh, I don't know. The kid's cute, though, so I'll give him credit. (laughs) Anyway, so apparently Mr. Wilcox seems to have a fondness for the library even after his tenure and life has come to an end. Patrons have reported seeing a man wandering the halls dressed in early 20th century attire. Employees have seen his face in a basement doorway, among other things, such as hearing their names called when no one else is around and feeling cold drafts where there ought ought not to be any. Hauntings are not the only thing strange about the library, though. In 1907, school superintendent Newton Doherty blew up a safe inside the library to hide evidence of embezzlement of school funds. 
The library was also a part of a blackmail plot following the death of George P. McNear Jr. McNear's widow received two different letters informing her that she would be given the name of her husband's murderer if she left $1,000 in a special drawer on the third floor in the third floor education room of the Peoria Public Library. William A. Gibson and his son Billy Gibson were arrested for blackmail when they showed up to retrieve the cash. This wait. This fucking library yeah. is something else. It has There's to be some the property. Sketchy stuff. I need yeah. to know what curse she put because that's a useful curse. Yeah. That's this has been going on for hundreds of years now. This started in what in 1830, so almost 200 years now. I'm that's really insane. good at math today. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, whatever happened in the library's past, it seems to have no effect on patrons today. People still use the library on a daily basis, and no one seems adverse to having to stay there a little later in the evenings. So I thought that was pretty interesting, that story. That um, was. That was, it just, it's such a different vibe than yeah. what you get with the other ones. But it seems that they don't really, they don't really scare the people that go there to just get books and do research. They just seem out to like the directors. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, the directors, that's a little creepy. Yeah. Three died. Like, it's like one... Okay, three accidents. And, I mean, from what I'm seeing here, they all died. So, one died in 1915, one died in 1921, and one died in 1924. So, they're all within a less than 10-year period. Three mm-hmm. of the directors died. I feel like that's and way too coincidental. And it's all accidents. Yeah, like, yeah. What? One was the car. One was, like, a heart attack. One was, like, poison. Yeah. Which was com- apparently committed suicide. So it's not even... I mean, anyone could put arsenic in someone's drink. True. So I don't know. It's crazy. So, um, yeah. So that is the Peoria Public Library. And then I have one last one. It's a small one. Um, so I left it for last. It's because uh, this one's a little special to me. Uh, this is oh. the Doris and Harris Vice Library, which is located at Cumberland University in Lebanon, Tennessee. And the reason why I had to include this is because it is said to be haunted not by a person, but by a ghost cat. A ghost cat. (laughs) So on March 5th, 2001, former library director John Boniol saw a cat floating across his office floor, floating across his office floor, before it disappeared behind some boxes stored under a table. John said, I did not see any legs or paws and no motion like a normal cat walking on a floor. The apparition was near the floor, about the right height for a cat, but it appeared to be gliding smoothly through the air instead of touching the floor. I couldn't tell if it came in through the door or came from under my desk. Boniel, Boniel, I don't even know what his last name is, sorry, has also experienced eerie feelings in other rooms in the library. A former librarian said she had also seen the ghost of a little girl who likes to play peekaboo around the circulation desk. So I guess there is some paranormal of a little girl, but who cares? There's a yeah. fucking ghost There's cat. A cat. There's, There's a, a cat. ghost cat. Like, that's adorable. <laughs> that is adorable. Okay. But yeah, so that's how I wanted to end the episode because <laughs> no, I, I thought... that. Ghost, ghost cat. cat. <laughs> Any ghost pets, like, adorable. Like, and flying. I, like, keep on envisioning, like, those old YouTube videos where it's, like, the cat and, like, with the psychedelic background. Yeah. Just, like, flying. <laughs> like, he definitely was tripping on something and he just sees this cat, like... <laughs> floating but um yeah so that concludes this episode of just ghouly things we hope you guys enjoyed it's a little short episode but um i hope you guys have been enjoying the content i've been putting out um again we're still looking for more guest co uh co-hosts 
been emailing people back and forth, but I've received literally hundreds of submissions. It's That's nuts. Insane. So it's been hard to get back to every single one, especially like the first people I emailed just because it's so far behind. Yeah. And I want to make sure I get to everyone, even if it's not the best fit. Um, so if you're still interested in guest co-hosting if you emailed me already you don't have to email us again we've got the email but if you haven't email us at just podcast at gmail.com your name your phone number your social media what topics you'd like to talk about and um yeah that's pretty much it we're gonna be most likely skype calling or facetiming you guys through the computer so that um we can get the audio from you guys yeah. so that's yeah that's pretty much it um vicky you want to Plug all your social media. The socials. Thank you, you so know. much again for coming and helping out the podcast. Of course. So Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, it's Vicky underscore Telly, V-I-C-K-Y underscore T-E-L-E. All right. And you can follow me on my personal page on Instagram at Rebecca Ruber. You can follow Just Ghouly Things Podcast on Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our Facebook like page, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our Twitter, JGT Podcast, and our private Facebook group, Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. Again, if you or someone you know also has a paranormal experience you'd like to share with us on the show, email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys again for listening, and we will talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs>